Well, well, hey guys, my name is Bryce. I have a new life in Christ and I'm in recovery from fear of man, pride, low self-worth, and this past week, some loneliness and isolation. Well, hey, y'all, I've talked about a little bit of where I came from before coming to Dallas. And if you haven't been here and this is your first time, I grew up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, my mom and dad got together sometime before I was born. And then my, but the important part about that is that my dad is from Vietnam. And if you've ever been or if you've interacted with people who have come over from Eastern culture, it's very different than here. And so I grew up, I, I grew up never really um, having a strong emotional or affectionate relationship with my dad. Like we didn't tell each other we loved each other or we didn't hug and um, we didn't do a lot of those things. Like that was kind of foreign to me and that became normal. Well, 22 years old, I moved to Dallas, Texas and I come to Watermark. I end up becoming a part of the regeneration team, which is why I'm here with y'all um, tonight. And I'm blessed to be here. But um, I interact for the first time with a guy named John Elmore, whom I know y'all know well. He's sitting over there to my right and he's looking at me um, as I talk about him. But I'm telling you, so I sit down, we're having a conversation about me possibly joining the team. And I kid you not, we're sitting there. This is the first conversation that we have. And then we both stand up. We're in the coffee shop. I stand up off of the leather couch. I'm a little sweaty. And he looks at me like this, you know, with like the dad, the nice dad grin. Um, and I'm like, all right, well, it's good to meet you. <laughs> and then he was like, I love you, Bryce. I'm so proud of you. And he was like, and then as he's coming in for the hug, I was like, <laughs> ah, uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, see y'all. And then I left. I just bounced out immediately. <laughs> and I, that was the first time we interacted. It was so interesting to me because that was so foreign. Like I'm, I'm pretty affectionate with my friends, but when it comes to like older men kind of in authority, I'm like, I just don't really look at you in the eyes. I don't touch you. <laughs> I don't like need you. I kind of just like, hey. And then I kind of mind my own business. Um, and I start there to say is like where you come from matters. Like where you come from, where you grow up, all those things matters because where we come from informs how you see yourself, how you see others, and how you see the world around you. Where you come from matters. And tonight we're beginning a brand new series called Family of Origin. And if you're not familiar with Family of Origin, there's a lot of um, definitions or thoughts that can come up when we think about the idea or the phrase Family of Origin. So I'm going to define it for us um, before we jump in and get started. But Family of Origin is this. Family of origin is defined by the family in which you or I were raised and grew up in, as opposed not to be confused by the people that you currently live with. So like in that, in that um, early on childhood, one through 18 age family, that major, that the majority of the time that family context that you grew up in would be considered your family of origin. The family of origin or your family of origin is the predominant, now listen to this definition, this is really important for you to keep in mind as we continue the rest of the series. Family of origin is the predominant influence in which one develops their sense of self, like how you see yourself, how you learn to communicate, process emotions, and how you are to accomplish meeting your needs. Family of origin also plays a very significant role in the development of values and beliefs. Isn't that wild? Um, and the reason why we do this, or why we're talking about this, is because who, who your family of origin is, those people, that environment you grew up in, significantly, significantly um, influences who you are tonight in this room. And a lot of you are already, think, are already thinking about, oh, man, my dad was like this, or I saw this, or I experienced that with my mom. 
It's because it's so influential in who we are today. So why are we talking about family of origin and region here? It's because um, God has designed you and I to grow up and to be molded by the environment around us, which was and is our family of origin. Um, And it's a good and it's a beautiful design. And every single one of us has a family. Um, And so this applies to all of y'all. So listen in, draw in for this series. Um, But I do want to remind you, it is God's good and glorious design for all of us, beginning beginning in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Like God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were made in his image or in his likeness. In a a simple way to say, God created man to represent himself on the earth. And then he gave them a special task. He said, be fruitful and multiply across the earth. And what he was trying to do was to fill the whole earth with his goodness, which is marked by peace and order and, and love and mercy and compassion, like who God is was supposed to spread around the earth through Adam and Eve. And as they are fruitful and they multiply, they have children and their children have children and they go on so on and so forth. And his glory would just fill the whole earth. And not only just in numbers as being created like human beings, like having children and they kind of just run around, not only was that the case, but he also wanted Adam and Eve or the parents to train and to teach the ways of God, like to teach them who God is and the way in which they should live their life, that it would go well with them. And his glory would continue to be multiplied across the earth. And this is the mandate that he gives parents. And we see it all over the scripture. God is very serious about how he wants the parents to train and to care and to love their kids or their children. In Deuteronomy, it's repetitive. He's just talking about, hey, teach your children, show your children, do this, care for them this way. In Deuteronomy 11:18, we see it. Um, it says, "You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes." Basically, what are you saying here is, not only do you commit yourself to my ways in your heart and speak about them and communicate them to the people around you, but you also show who you are because of me with the way that you live your life. Like you don't only talk about it, you be about it. And you show the people around you who I am by the way that you live your life and your behavior. Why? And it goes on to say this in, nine, in verse 19. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In every scenario, you are to show and to speak and to teach your children who I am in the way in which they should live their life, that it may go well for them. This is for the hope that we as humanity, because God is good, that we would flourish. Like he loves us and he wants things to go well for us. And so he set this beautiful design in place. And what's amazingly crazy is that even science today shows this. Children, like in that developmental stage, are constantly learning. Like when you're born, you learn and you absorb information um, all the time. And like incredibly so as a child in order to understand the world around you and how to function in it. And there's these things, I'm not gonna get too far into it, I love it, we should talk about it sometime. It's called mirror neurons. It's this, these neurological pathways in the brain that are firing like crazy when you're a child. And basically what it is, is the child sees you do something, and because it's trying to figure out who they are, or not it, as he or she is trying to figure out who they are, they see you do something and then they mimic it. Like they do it too to see like, hey, I guess this is the way dad does this, so I do this. I remember I was four years old, and I found these scissors. And I was like, okay, 
I mean, it was like one of those plastic, them plastic ones that are like, you know, you accidentally break, break it because you pick them up or something. Super not sharp. But I found them, and I have a sister who's only a year and a half younger than me. And I thought it'd be a good idea to be like, hey, hey Grace. Her name's Grace. I was like, hey, Grace, you want to trim up? And she's like, no. And I was like, do it. I won't be your friend. <laughs> Let me do it. I won't be your friend. And she's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> That's early on manipulation if you didn't know what that is. And so <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. So then I start trimming her hair. Like I, I cut her hair like all the way. I didn't just do like the bangs thing. Like I went all in for like an hour. <laughs> and come to find, and if you're wondering why I did that, it's like my dad cuts hair for a living. So my earliest my earliest memories, memories of me, my dad are me sitting in the chair while he's like, zzz, and he's like cutting my hair. And so I was like, dad does this, me too. And so I cut my sister's hair. The swag thing about that is that my mom and my dad didn't find out that I, didn't find out that I cut my sister's hair until like five days later. I'm a prodigy. So if you're looking, <laughs> if you're looking for a fresh fade, let me know. All right? I, won't, I, won't, I don't have a license, so I won't make you pay for it, but, you know, you might get something crazy. Another small thing is, like, I, there's these two sweet, sweet, sweet children that I know who um, are part of the Watermark family here. And little girl, she's, like, four years old. She's probably, like, 35 pounds, maxed out, like, small girl. Her younger brother is half her size, like, 15 to 20 pounds, and he's, like, a year and a half. And he'll fall down, and I'll watch her run over and, like, pick him up, and she'll try her hardest like bend over to get him onto her hip and to carry him like, oh, it's okay, like trying to hold him. And I'm like, yo, that makes no sense. Your body can't physically even do that. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> but if you see her mom, like if you see the way that her mom picks up her son when he's in harm, that little girl sees that. And she's like, that's who I should be. I should do that. This is the way in which I should live my life. This is how reality works. We help people in need. And that was God's beautiful design. We see and experience as children, what we see and we, what we experience as children is profoundly integrated into who you are today. Profoundly. In, time, in so much ways that we don't have necessarily to talk about. But God designed us as people um, to learn his ways and his goodness and his love through our parents. It's God's glorious design um, that we should make sense of ourselves um, in the context of our families. And to multiply that across the earth as the children of God, we were supposed to multiply the children of God, generation after generation after generation, spreading goodness and glory and love all over the world. Like, that's the purpose. But something happened, which I'm sure y'all feel here in the room as we're talking about families. Like, I know family can um, feel a little difficult or feel a little heavy for some of us. But something happened, and instead of being the children of God, multiplying the children of God for the glory of God, we became children of wrath. Like we turned away and we rebelled against God. Romans 1.21 says this, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Like the moment we turned away from who God is, our hearts darkened. And we were foolish. And what happened then in Genesis 3, as humanity rebelled against God, what happened then is that we ushered in what the scripture would call the domain of darkness. Like this present reality of the world is the domain of darkness. And instead of generation of God's love, it was generation after generation of darkness. God's good design that was meant for good is now being used for evil. 
And that's why when you, when you look at family, you're not like, oh yeah, family's a good thing for some of you in the room. That's why you don't feel this giddy like, oh man, I love my dad. I'm glad I do what my dad does because of the domain of darkness. Like that good and glorious design that God created about family doesn't really feel like a blessing to some of you in the room. It may feel more like a curse because the brokenness of the world is the reason why that absent dad exists, why you have the absent dad. And because your dad was absent, you learn that you deal with problems by going to no one about it. You just isolate. You run away from the problem or you don't talk about the problem or the mom who said that she would never leave you. But she did anyway. Um, And now you can't trust people enough to let them close to you because you're afraid of them leaving you. Or the emotionally cold dad who never said anything to you, encouraging, and so you thought, hey, well, we just don't really talk about emotions. You don't even know how to communicate how you feel to the people around you because your dad never did and your mom never did. And you kind of felt like your dad didn't really care or your mom was addicted. And because she was addicted, you all didn't have much money because she was buying pills or drugs, whatever it may be illegally. And so then you just realized you always kind of lived on the edge. Like I'm always just trying to survive because I don't know where we're going to be. And so you never learned to plant roots or to feel like you had a place to belong. Like all that is wrapped up in the problem of sin, the domain of darkness that's rippled through the ages. And that's harmed you. And to be honest, some of you may be feeling, feeling like you relate to some of those things. And I want to I say this real quick. Is I know it's hard. Like I know, it's, I know family's really hard. But it does no good, no good at all to blame your parents and to just blame them and to be angry with them and to resent them. Like, I've never, y'all in this room seeking healing, I've never met somebody who found freedom from blaming where they are today on their parents. Like, hey, somebody's like, oh, joyful. You're like, oh, yeah, man, I had like a really rough childhood. I'm like, well, what'd you do? It's like, well, I just blame my parents for it. Like, I've never met somebody who did that. And if you have, let me know. I'd like to speak to them because I kind of doubt it. Um, But the reason why blaming them doesn't work is because that same iniquity, that same sin, Um, that was in them that led them to raise you the way that they did, to shape you the way that you were shaped, that same iniquity that's in them is also in you. And it's also in me. It's the sinful nature. Ephesians 2 says that we are by nature children of wrath because we've rebelled against God. And so that same brokenness that marked your parents, that shaped you, is the same brokenness that marks you in your heart if you are not in Christ here tonight. That marks you, and you in your flesh are most likely, I mean, you for sure are prone to walking in the same footsteps as your parents did. But that doesn't have to be your story here tonight. It can not, if it is your story, right, if you're sitting here in the, in the chair and you don't know who Christ is and you had a rough childhood growing up and you're dealing with the brokenness of that, that doesn't have to be your story beginning tonight. Tomorrow it can be different. Tonight it can be different. You can wake up a new man, a new woman tomorrow and it's because God knows the brokenness of your heart. So much so because he created us for something good to bring glory to, bring glory to his name, to spread around the world and we rebelled against it. And when we rebelled against it, he knew that he had to do something about it. He promised immediately, Genesis 3.15. Before before the Bible even really gets to anything, he made a promise that he was going to save us. 
through his son Jesus. And so his son Jesus came down, lived the perfect life, God in the flesh, and he died the perfect sacrifice in order to cleanse you from that darkness in your heart that leads you to the promoting and to pushing forth the domain of darkness, the sin, that leads you into those broken patterns. He came to destroy that and to cleanse you of that and then to give you a new heart like you were dead and he resurrects you from the dead and gives you a brand new heart so that you could walk in a new way. And sometimes I think that when we think about the gospel, like you'd be like, okay, yeah, God came down and he died and now like I can go to heaven one day. And we severely miss it. Like we're missing the richness of the, the when we're missing the richness of what God said, what Jesus said when he offered us fullness of life today. Because you're like, oh, well, like fullness of life just kind of comes when I die. But he's offering it to you tonight because he doesn't just save you and then send you off and wait until you show up in heaven. He saves you and he is now redeeming you day by day, over and over again, knowing that you can't save yourself, but he's saving you. And he's changing you deep within your heart. Colossians 1.13 says this. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Like he, he ripped you out of death and placed you into the kingdom of the beloved son. Like not just, like not just a new like identity or a name tag. He put you in a family. Like where you were once a spiritual orphan, like you were living in this domain of darkness, a spiritual orphanage, you didn't have a heavenly father, you didn't know which way to go, he took you out of that and called you his own. Like you're, my, you're mine and I love you and you are no longer alone in this world. It doesn't have to be the way that it's always been for you. I can change that. And so he continues to redeem you and sanctify you by reparenting you like teaching you a new way. And you may be wondering, like, okay, well, how does he teach me a new way? How does he reparent me? And he does that um, by his word, through his word, through his people, by the spirit. He uses the word of God, the truth of who he is and the way in which we should walk to teach you and to reparent you. And he uses people in your life, those who know him, who have the Holy Spirit, to reparent you and to show you a new way that the brokenness of your past, the brokenness of your parents, whatever you experienced when you're younger, doesn't have to be your future. He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of y'all may be feeling, well, we, all right, Bryce, well, you don't know my family, though. Like, you don't know what it was that I went through. I don't think that I can get, I'm too deep. I'm too gone. Some of you who are thinking that probably related a lot to those examples that I gave early, like you just know that their absent father was just too much, like you could never feel like anybody loves you, but if I could give you some hope tonight as you're considering if you would trust God to reparent you, if I could give you some hope, all those examples that I shared a moment ago are my story. Like I had the absent dad who didn't tell me he loved me. I had the mom who was addicted and I felt like we were always just trying to survive. I had the mom who said I would never leave you I love you, and then she left anyways. And it's hard to trust. It's hard to feel like I belong. If you've been here for any time, I've mentioned it multiple times, like, and that is my story, but God is redeeming me. Like, I see it in small, small ways. Like, 
He's, he's, he's so good and he's so glorious and it would continue to be my story. I would follow after the generational sin of my parents if it wasn't for God because God saved me and now he's reparenting me and it's good and I, and I um, learned to trust him more and more and I learned to trust the people around me more and more. So if you're here and you know John Elmore, you know that that first interaction that we had like straight up the first interaction where he like hugged me and I was like, okay, sweating, like I'm kind of sweating now. Um, he, that wasn't just the one time thing. Like it was every day. And I think we even got to this point where John was like, dude, are, do you not like not like me or something? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm sorry. I was like, uh, I don't, I didn't know what to say about it. And around that time is when I realized I'm like, oh, like I feel really uncomfortable showing affection or intimacy with an older authoritative man because of how broken and disconnected my relationship with my dad was. And so that's how I just viewed all older men. But day by day, hug after hug, um, I love you after I love you. Minute by minute and hour by hour, God began and is still breaking down walls in my heart by reparenting me, showing me that I don't have to stay away. Like, Older men are not people to stay away from, to get out of the way of so you don't bother them, but they're people that you can trust and that you can cling to. And so God, by the Spirit, through John, is showing me a new way. He's showing me his heart, and it's good. And because I've been being reparented, like you can be, be re, how you can be reparented tonight. Um, this year, for the first time, I went to my dad, and I hugged him. And I told him I loved him um, because what God has been doing in my heart is he's showing me, hey, you don't have to be defined by your family of origin. You can be defined by the family of God because that's who you are. You're in the kingdom of the beloved son. You're a part of a family. And so this morning with the team, I'm sitting down and I pray, Lord, we pray together. The family, pray, the family my region team is my family. I, I really do care for them that much. Um, but we pray for my family, that they would become a part of the forever spiritual family. And because the goodness of God has been reparenting me, I can go off and no longer be bound by the brokenness of my past, but I can bring the love of Christ to my dad, the one who brought up many of the walls in my past um, in the first place. So tonight, um, you're gonna hear another story about how God changes and reparents those whom he calls his own, his children of God. Her name's Tanya. Y'all please give it a round of applause for her as she comes up.